I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that, free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash clay and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, puretalk.com slash clay to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details welcome to today's edition of the rush limbaugh show podcast hey folks how are you great to have you here with us today as we get ready for well we're not getting ready we are here we have been getting ready and now it's time to go three hours of broadcast excellence straight ahead right here on the eib network i am your host rush limbaugh a household name in all four corners of the world. The telephone number, if you want to be on the program today, is 800-282-2882. Email address lrushbo at eibnet.us. The uh, Trump campaign has requested a fourth presidential debate with uh, with Joe Biden. You may be wondering, with all this stuff out there, why am I leading with it? Well, hang on. All will become clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. What, what a yeah. This New York State Attorney General, what's her name? Letitia something or other. Letitia, Letitia, Letitia James. So all morning long, this woman, she's, she's the Attorney General for New York, and everybody's convinced that the state of New York and the city of New York, the DA there, Cy Vance the Fourteenth or whatever, they're all going after Trump and his money. And they're all going after Trump and Deutsche Bank, and they're going to get him. They're going to get him. They're going to get Jared. They're going to get him. They're gonna, they're gonna. So she'd been hyping this press conference all day today at 11.30. But she didn't tell anybody what it was going to be about. So at 11.30, the thing starts. And drive-bys the whole morning are thinking that this is it. How many times have they thought this? This is it. Today we nail Trump. This is it. Today we find out Trump is lying about his financial status. This is when we find out that Trump is a criminal. This is when we find out this and that and everything. So she starts her press conference. You know what it is? Here, just listen. Grab audio somebody number 20. Say, you want to talk about a drive-by media letdown? Try this. Upon millions of dollars from the NRA for personal use, including for lavish trips for themselves and their families, private jets, expensive meals, and other private travel. Wayne LaPierre, Woody Phillips, 
Joshua Powell and John Frazier instituted a culture of self-dealing, mismanagement, and negligent oversight at the NRA that was illegal, oppressive, and fraudulent. That's right. With gun sales at a record. Gun sales are a record high right now, and it makes perfectly understandable sense. With all the rioting and lawlessness and the Democrats talking about defunding the police, here comes Letitia James announcing announcing a lawsuit against the NRA in New York State. When's the last time you heard anybody talking about the NRA? Even Democrats. I mean, it's, it's not it's not on their radar. They they, it, I mean, it always the Second Amendment's always there, but they got some distractions in their way. This was a huge letdown for the drive-by media. They were convinced that she was going to announce some case against Trump. Now, Trump has requested a fourth debate, the Trump campaign. A fourth debate and an early start. Now, one of the reasons why is because of mail-in voting and absentee voting and early voting. The Trump campaign is saying, we're going to be starting the vote much sooner than we ever have before. We've got to get these debates going because people make up their minds after watching a debate. There's also the fact that Biden can't do a debate and won't do a debate, which is another reason why the Trump campaign is requesting a fourth vote. Let me tell you, let me play for you, let me show you why there will not be a debate. There won't be one debate, there won't be four debates, there won't be any number of debates. Grab audio soundbite number one. This happened yesterday. The National Association of Black Journalists, the National Association of Hispanic Journalists virtual convention. This is the the same convention where Biden told a CBS reporter, African-American, what do you mean a cognitive test? I don't need to take a cognitive. What, what are you? What, are you, you what, what if I what if I came to see your cocaine? You a junkie? So from that same virtual convention, here is Joe Biden talking to NPR's Lulu Garcia Navarro, who asked him a question. Will you re-engage with Cuba? Yes, and by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Did you hear that, or did it go by too quickly? Here is, here is, this is why there won't be any debates. This is exactly why the Democrats and the Biden campaign cannot throw him out there and do a debate. It's, it's not just the gaffes and it's not just the, the losing his train of thought. It's this. Will you re-engage with Cuba? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, what you all know that most people don't know, unlike the African-American community... The Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. Incredibly different attitudes about different things. And, of course, the Cuban population is largely Hispanic in Biden's mind. So, yeah, I'd engage with Cuba because it's far more productive. So, should Joe Biden be suspended from social media, from the sewer, 
for his racist comments about African-Americans. I don't care. The question just occurred to me. Maybe Democrat racism is permitted. Maybe it's even encouraged by their community rules. Who knows? Here, listen listen to it again. This has flown under the radar. Well, actually, it hasn't flown under the radar. I'm sure that uh, they... Well, in fact, I can give you that there's a headline for this story that they kind of try to... Yeah, the headline, this is Yahoo News that had the story. And the headline, Biden draws distinction between diversity within black and Latino communities. Can you ever think you'd ever see a headline? Trump draws distinction. Now that Trump, without evidence, claims that there's a lot of more diversity in the Hispanic community than in the uh, African-American community, establishing once again that Trump is a bald-faced liar and racist, which would be the headline. But with plugs here, just Biden draws distinction between diversity within black and Latino communities. Here, listen to it again. Three, two, one. Yes, and by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. So what is this? What does this say to African-Americans about African? What Biden has done here is simply give away the game. Biden has spoken as a career Democrat and he has shared with the world the attitude the Democrat Party has about African-Americans. They're all the same. Maybe a few exceptions, but there's no diversity in the African. They're monolithic. We only have to treat them a certain way, and they'll do whatever we need. They'll show up and vote for us whenever we need, whatever we want. Just have to say the same things to them over and over again because there isn't any diversity. There isn't any difference in any of them. They're all the same. This is what the Democrat Party's attitude toward African-Americans is. And, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I wonder what my buddy Charlemagne the God's reaction is going to be to this. Because it was Charlemagne the God interviewing Biden. You ain't black if you ain't voting for me. If you ain't voting for Denver, you ain't black. And people thought, well, that that was kind of off the resume. No, that is the Democrat Party. What Biden is doing here, he's got no filter. Biden has no boundaries on. He's got no. What's the word that I'm looking for? Well, it's filter, but 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 there's he's, he's got he's got there, there's no yeah filter works until I come up with what I'm actually thinking of. He just blurts out. What he's thinking and what he's thinking is, as a Democrat has for all of his life, when he says, if you don't vote for me, if you don't vote for a Democrat, you ain't black. They, he meant that. That is how they, you African-Americans, you have a duty to vote Democrats. That is your purpose in life is voting Democrat. And if you don't, you ain't black. And take a look at the way they treat conservative African-Americans. They disown them. Other blacks do as well. They're Uncle Tom's. So Biden is simply remaining in character. African-Americans are monolithic. They don't think differently from one another. It's easy to relate to them. It's easy to get them to do what we need them to do. 
But the Hispanic community, now that's different. There's a lot of diversity in the Hispanic community. There's a lot of different ways of thinking in the Hispanic community. So that's why I would re-engage with Cuba. Some really fascinating Hispanics down there really, really need to engage them because they're much different. But Africa, here, listen to it again. I'm not exaggerating. In fact, I'm probably not hitting this stridently enough. Here it yes, is again. And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Okay, so what's the Oprah going to do with this new book that she's chosen? It says people are tired of racism. It doesn't move the uh, doesn't move the bell anymore to move the meter. We need something more. So they're coming up with America's caste system. Um, in in Joe Biden's mind, African Americans march in a straight line. They don't think for themselves, and if they don't vote Democrat, they're not even black. According to Biden, African-Americans lack diversity of thought. They engage almost exclusively in groupthink. And that's how the Democrat Party approaches them. That's how the Democrat Party treats them. This is why they can't let him out of the basement. This is why they can't turn him loose without a teleprompter. And even then, it's a, it's a risk. And this is why there aren't going to be any debates. He's saying that African-Americans are like-minded simpletons. This is as racist a comment as anything they want to try to lay off on us, folks. This is how senile basement dwellers think and speak. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. No, 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 no. He doesn't think they all look alike. He's convinced they all think alike. He is convinced that they all react the same way. He is convinced that you have to approach the African-American community in only one way. And what way is that? That everybody on the Republican side is a racist pig. You know what it is? You know how the Democrats approach African-Americans? It's real simple. There's a great phrase that has been developed to describe it. The soft bigotry of low expectations. Biden is part of the age-old Democrat Party, which feels sorry for African Americans. They think of them all as victims, incapable of helping themselves, incapable of living on their own, incapable of doing the right things on their own. They need the Democrat Party to do all these things for them. And with such low expectation. There's bigotry there. That, that when you think somebody's incapable of doing something, when you think, by the way, when you think an entire race is incapable, when you think an entire race is a collection of victims, and this is what Biden has let out of the bag, this is what the traditional Democrat view of African-Americans is always missed. Why we on the right get so frustrated. If there are any of you African-American Democrats in the audience, this is why we get so frustrated. They don't think of you the way you think they do. They don't have anything other than low expectations of you. They don't have anything but a bunch of feel-sorry sympathy for you. The expectation they have is that you're going to vote for them. And if you don't, you won't have any practical purpose. 
for them. This is demeaning, it is racist, and it's ignorant, and it's all rolled into one 14-second audio clip. He's doubling down on what he told my old buddy Charlemagne the God. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Joe Biden making broad judgments about people based on their skin color. Hispanics, diversity all over the place. Unlike African Americans, and you know what I'm talking about. Take a brief break. We will continue in mere moments, my friends. Don't go away. Grab audio sound by number two. This is, again, the National Association of Black Journalists, National Association of Hispanic Journalists virtual convention, where Joe Biden has just said, yeah, by the way, what you all know, he's talking to an Hispanic female reporter, what you know most people don't know, unlike the black community, the Latino community is incredibly diverse, incredibly different attitudes about different things, unlike the black community. And we know the black community like nobody knows the black community. We know. Same convention, same place. Same reporter, Lulu Garcia Navarro, says to Biden, so if you scrap the president's tariffs on China, what do you want in return? If you're going to get rid of those, are you just going to scrap them without any concessions from the China? The way Trump, the way China will respond is when we gather the rest of the world that, in fact, invades in and free and in open trade and making sure that we're in a position that the world uh, that, that we deal with WHO the right way, that that, in fact, that's when things begin to change. And there is another reason why there will not be a debate. There won't be one debate. There won't be two. There won't be four. Here, let's, this is amusing. Let's let's listen to this again. Is it ready? In three, two, remember the question. Okay, so if if you scrap Trump's tariffs on the Chicoms, which, by the way, are working, if you scrap the tariffs, then what do you want from the Chicoms in return? Or is it nothing? You're, you're just going to scrap the tariffs and and not demand the Chicoms make any concessions. The way Trump, the way China will respond is when we gather the rest of the world that in fact invades in in, free, in, in, in open trade and making sure that we're in a position that the world uh, that that we deal with WHO the right way. That that in fact that's when things begin to change. So this is why. Yesterday, I made a big point. Whoever is is putting Biden out there is doing all of this on purpose. They're subjecting him to this ridicule. And they're putting him out here in these circumstances that he is not capable of existing in. He's not capable of performing. His his mental acuity is what's vanishing by the day. Let's Let's read this by the transcript. The way Trump, the way China will respond... That was the question was, what's he going to do? If he gets rid, if he scraps Trump's tariffs, are you going to demand other concessions or are you just going to let it go? The way Trump, the way China will respond is when we gather the rest of the world and that fact invades in free, uh, in open trade and making sure that we're in a position that the world, that we deal with the WHO, the right, that's the World Health Organization. They've got nothing to do with tariffs. The World Health Organization is in the Chicom's back pocket. 
that we deal with the WHO the right way. That, that in fact, that's when things began to change. He has no idea what he said. He has no idea what the question was, folks. Now, somebody, a lot of people in the Democrat Party are throwing him out there and subjecting him to this. Such is their rabid, unrequited desire to get rid of Donald Trump. But this uh, th- this can't even be much less part of a debate. This can't even, they can't allow this to keep happening. It's just part of a campaign for crying out loud. All right, before we, before we move on, I want to play one more soundbite for you just to... And not that it's necessary. I just want to do it to illustrate the difference in the way the the drive-bys are treating Biden versus the way they treat Trump. And interestingly, let me find it. There's a story in the stack, and I'm trying to I put it near the top. It's a Gallup Gallup survey out there, and it's it's just it's stunning about who the American people blame for the partisanship. It's the media, and but, but the amount by which here it is. Here it is. Gallup poll finds 84% of Americans say the media is to blame for the U.S. political divide. Gallup? 84%? You you want to talk about some people that agree right down the line with President Trump? The fake news is the enemy of the people. 84% Gallup find say that the media is to blame for the partisan divide? America needs a truth detector more than ever, and I am that man. We have been infected by a fake news media requiring me, the doctor of democracy and America's truth detector, to keep everybody from succumbing to this. A new poll released Tuesday shows Americans have a growing distrust of the media. This is second such poll this week. An overwhelming majority saying the press have a political bias and nearly half saying news outlets display a great deal of bias. And that 84% of Americans say the media is to blame for the partisan divide. 84%, folks. That means even some Democrats agree with this. That is a stunning number. The previous story this week about the people distrusting the media was an AP story by one of their prominent media writers, a guy by the name of David Border. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not going to change the way the media goes about doing it because they're activists. They're not, they're not even really journalists. There's not journalism going on here. It's, it's activism disguised as journalism. There's not any news anymore. This program gives you more news, actually, than anything you could watch, ABC, CBS, NBC, or read in the New York Times. But hey, let me just illustrate this. Soundbite number three. Now, it was, it was yesterday that Biden was being interviewed by a CBS reporter by the name of uh, Errol something or other. Errol, Errol, whatever. And it was to this reporter that Biden asked him, you've been doing cocaine. You, you, you take a little start out there. What are you, a junkie? 
because this reporter had asked him about whether he'd taken a cognitive dissonance test. So here's how CBS reported this yesterday. The reporter is Ed O'Keefe. This is last night on the CBS Evening News. Biden today also brushed off questions raised by Mr. Trump about his mental fitness, telling black and Latino journalists, including CBS's Errol Barnett, that he's never taken a cognitive test. No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you they just report this. They didn't defend their reporter. They didn't bother to in any way exonerate their reporter. They didn't defend him. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they just reported it. Biden attacked one of their own, and they still protect Biden. They still shield him. And I, I, I air that for you just to illustrate the uh, the difference. Let me grab this guy in line three. This fits with where we are right now. David in Marco Island, Florida. Welcome, sir. Great to have you on the program. How are you doing, sir? Very well, Rush. Thank you. You bet. Go ahead. You're, 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 we're, we're ready to go. The comment is, is that when Joe uh, spoke yesterday to that reporter about recognizing animals, being able to tell the difference between an elephant and a lion, it implies he has had a cognitive. The mantra. Well, the reason I want to take your call because I, not necessarily uh, the the asking a a a person taking a cognitive test. The difference between a lion and uh, with a lion and, a, and an elephant, but remember, Trump talked about it in his uh, in his. Well, I guess it was the Chris Wallace interview on Fox. I, I forget. I forget. Trump's on so many different media things. I don't know what it was. I think it was Chris Wallace. They were standing on the colonnade there outside the Rose Garden. I think. And Trump talked about the test, and he talked about how he aced it. He talked about some of the questions. And one of the questions was, can you tell the difference in a lion and and an elephant? Well, Biden could have been watching that. Biden could have watched the Trump interview. It's, It's entirely possible he hasn't taken a cognitive test. Not that it matters to me one way or the other, but he could have been watching the Trump interview and that's how he knows that a cognitive test asks you to you know, stipulate the difference in a lion and an elephant. That he maybe he has taken a cognitive, but, the, but the, the real point here is he calls a reporter a junkie. He makes up this thing about maybe you did some cocaine before you came to interview me. Come on, man. What are you talking about here? Are you, uh, are you some junkie? And then you, you come back with the Biden answer today about Hispanics are wildly diverse and African-Americans are monolithic. Now, there's nothing interesting about African-Americans. They're all the same, and we treat them all the same. Now, let's move on to something else. Because once again, we have one of the, one of the greatest examples of— I, this is worse than bias, but it's how it's being characterized. Does anybody remember when Mark Zuckerberg— just last week, they had the tech head honchos in a virtual Senate hearing over antitrust. 
He had Tim Cook from Apple Air. Zuckerberg was there. Jeff Bezos was there from uh, Amazon Washington Post. He had Sundar Pushai from the uh, from Google. They were all there. And do anybody remember Zuckerberg telling Congress that Facebook had no desire to be the arbiter of truth? That that's not what they were there to do. No, no, no. And we don't want to be the arbiter of truth. When he said that, I cocked my head. I looked at it. Well, then what the hell are you doing? If you don't care to be the arbiter of truth, then why do you ban anybody? And by the way, Mr. Zuckerberg, who is your medical doctor that knows everything about hydroxychloroquine sufficiently so that when President Trump talks about it, you can pull down his tweet or his Facebook post? I mean, Twitter and Facebook both apparently have people on the staff that know more than the doctors who prescribe this stuff and will take down anything somebody says that is in support of hydroxychloroquine. Well, what this is about, Twitter and Facebook removed posts from Donald Trump, the Donald Trump campaign specifically, that linked to a video from Trump's interview with Fox and Friends yesterday in which he said that kids really don't get coronavirus much. They don't get it severely. So they pulled Trump's tweet down in his Facebook post claiming this campaign's post because he said when children are almost immune from the disease, they say that Trump posted false information. Before I get to the real P.S. de resistance here, a couple of headlines. CNN, May 21st, 2020. Headline, children have fewer coronavirus receptors in their noses, study finds. San Jose Mercury News. Kids are less likely to get infected by coronavirus and spread it to others. The Trump campaign is exactly right when they said that kids are almost immune. And yet Facebook and Twitter pull it down as unsuitable. The Trump campaign post was unsuitable, it was not true, it was unethical, it was dishonest, and they could and yet Zuckerberg said last week, we at Facebook do not want to be the arbiters of truth. Kids less likely to get infected by the coronavirus and spread it to others, San Jose Mercury News. That's right in Big Tech's backyard. And uh, CNN, back in May, children have fewer coronavirus receptors. The Twitter employee, are you ready? The Twitter employee who announced why the Trump campaign account was suspended is the former press secretary for Kamala Harris. Yes, my friends, exactly right. Silicon Valley, Tim Murtoff, the Trump campaign, says that Silicon Valley is hopelessly biased against the president. It's, this, this is so far beyond bias. This isn't, this isn't just bias. This is... I don't know. I'm, 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 having, I'm having problems conjuring up the words that, that I want to use today. But 
I'm telling you, this goes way beyond just bias. When you've got, when Facebook hires the former press secretary for Kamala Harris and puts him in charge of what is suitable and unsuitable for the Trump campaign to post. Call it bias if you want, but it goes way beyond that. What is this guy's name? I had it I had it right here at the top of the stack. I don't know. I'll, it'll come to me. Uh, but we've got all these different headlines. Facebook, Twitter, take down video of Trump saying children almost immune from COVID-19. Twitter official who announced Trump's suspension, ex-Kamala Harris press secretary. Facebook's policy communications manager is an ex-Hillary press secretary. So the Facebook people judging Trump's tweets worked for Hillary's campaign. The Twitter clown judging Trump's campaign worked for Kamala Harris, who's only in the top tier potential choices for Biden's vice presidential running mate. Got to take a break a little long. We'll continue here right after this. So don't go away. The Twitter, ex- <clears throat> excuse me, Twitter executive that pulled down the Trump campaign tweet. The children are almost immune from coronavirus. Nick Pasilio is his name. Not that it matters, but he's the former press relations spokesman for the Kamala Harris campaign or for Kamala Harris. It might be uh, both as a senator and for her campaign. Um, Nick Pasilio is, is the guy from Brooklyn, and he literally just takes Trump's tweet down because it was in violation of the Twitter rules on COVID-19 misinformation, and we have required removal, except it's not misinformation. There's news all over the drive-by media that simply backs up what Trump said. That children are more immune to the virus than anybody else. That's all Trump said. It was part about opening the economy and opening schools. But they've got somebody at Twitter, the guy that used to be the press secretary for Kamala Harris, who knows more than Donald Trump, and pulled down the campaign tweet. By the way, I think the president may have had this show turned on shortly afternoon. Listen to this audio soundbite. Let's watch the clip. And Joe Biden this morning totally disparaged and insulted the black community. What he said is incredible. And I don't know what's going on with him, but it was a very insulting statement he made. And I guess you'll figure that out. You'll see it in a little while. But it was a great insult to the black community. So that's the president came out of White House about 1215 and he's on his way to the helicopter. So I'm thinking somebody in there listening to the program, Mr. President, you got to hear this. You got to see this. Showed in the clip. Whatever. It is. Folks, it is incredible uh, what Biden said. The Twitter employee. I, I This is just. A Twitter employee who announced to the world why the Trump campaign account was briefly suspended is the Kamala Harris former press secretary, Nick Facilio. The, um, uh, the, the, the There's a woman that does the same thing at Facebook who was the former, her name is Sarah Pollock, I believe. She's Facebook's policy communications manager. She would be the one pulling down Trump campaign tweets. She worked 
for Hillary. Let me grab another quick call here before the hour perspires. Jason, Lansing, Michigan. Great to have you, sir. Hi. Hi, Rush. How are you? I'm good. Hey, Thank you, sir. Um, question is, do you believe that the Democrat Party has always been this radical? Yeah. Or is this something new that's just come out recently, maybe because of Trump, uh, that he's brought it out in him? No, I think they've always been this radical. They've been this radical for at least, um, I'm going to say minimum 20 years. It's why I have always been attempting to get people to look at them ideologically as liberals. They've always been this radical. And, And I think what Trump's done is simply frustrated them so much. A, they couldn't beat him. B, they can't get rid of him. I think that all of their own personal guardrails are down and all of the camouflage, the masks, all the boundaries they put up to hide themselves have come down. And I think they're just finally being who they really are. I think I think the election of Obama is when we first saw all that camouflage fall away. But, yes, they've been radical. Grab soundbite number 13. I got time to squeeze this in his uh I want you to listen to a montage of Democrats back in 1995, 1995, talking about the budget battle that year. They're coming for our children. They're coming for the poor. Why do the Republicans want to take apples and milk away from six-year-olds? Starving children is not the solution. It's cruel to kids. Stop declaring war on our kids. The Republicans are taking food out of the mouths of millions of needy children. We're going to let the kids go hungry again. War on their children. War on their children. Teddy Kennedy, war on their children. And I don't have time to squeeze it in, but Pelosi is out there saying that Trump is going to make children homeless. Trump and the Republicans. So, yeah, they've been radical. They've been radical for much longer than what you are seeing their behavior portray now. Well, don't you love this? The uh, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, is literally begging rich people who have left the state and the city to come back. You got to come back, please. You got to come back. He wants them back. He says, if I stay there, I pay a lower income tax because they don't pay the New York City surcharge. He wants the people who left New York to come back. Please, please come back. You got to come back. He's begging them to come back. People like me, although I'm sure he doesn't mean me. But got to just love that too, folks. I want you to grab soundbite number one again and then have uh, soundbite number 29 standing by. Back it up. Greetings and uh, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network and the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Studies of Everything That Matter. No degrees and we never shut down because the learning never stops. The telephone number, if you want to be on the program, 800-282-2882 and the email address, lrushbow at eibnet.us. I just want to have one more little turn at Biden's comments today. Actually, we were yesterday at the National Association of Black Journalists and the National Association of Hispanic Journalists virtual convention. And I'll, I'll tell you at the outset that some of you may have uh, a problem with this. Some of you may have a bit of disagreement with me about this. But 
you'll see why I'm gonna I'm gonna play two things for you. One happened back in 1987 on Nightline. The other one yesterday with Joe Biden. And here again, soundbite number one, NPR Lulu Garcia Navarro saying to Joe Biden, are you going to re-engage? See, are you going to re-engage with Cuba? The question is, Trump's done this and Trump's done that and Trump's, you know, Trump's getting us out of the world and Trump's doing, he, this woman forget, re-engage with Cuba. Obama did that in a way that was not beneficial to the United States. So Trump comes along and takes the relationship with Cuba back to where it should have been. So now this woman is saying, since Trump is bad orange man, automatically bad guy, automatically wrong, Biden, automatically right, Democrat, answer to every problem. Are you going to, and she is Hispanic herself, Lulu Garcia Navarro, are you going to re-engage with Cuba? Yes, and by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community right. with incredibly different attitudes about so different things. He's talking to an Hispanic reporter, at least, and he knows that. And he says, look, what you all know, but most people don't know, like Biden knows something that most everybody doesn't. You know that unlike the African-American community... You Hispanics, we love you guys. You are diverse. You have incredibly different attitudes about different things. But African-Americans, hell, come on, man. They're all the same. You know what I mean? They think the same way. They act the same way. They're just the same. That's what he said. Let's go back to Nightline, 1987. Ted Koppel was interviewing then Vice President of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Al Campanis. And Ted Koppel said to Campanis, why is it, in 1987 here, folks, this is a year before this program began. Mr. Campanis, Vice President of the Dodgers, why is it there are no black managers, no black general managers, no black owners is there still that much prejudice in baseball today? I don't believe it's prejudice. I, I, I truly believe that they may not have some of the uh, necessities to uh, be, uh, f- let's say, a field manager or p- perhaps a, a general manager. You really believe that? I don't say that they're, they're all of them, but they certainly are short. How many quarterbacks do you have? How many pitchers do you have that are black? Why are, are black uh, men or, or black people not good swimmers? Because they don't have the buoyancy. And that was the end of Al Campanis. The Los Angeles Dodgers sent him somewhere never to be heard from again. Bye-bye. And, and Al Campanis was loved. Al Campanis was respected throughout the Major League Baseball community. We didn't call things communities back then. Throughout the world of Major League Baseball... He was, if, if you were in management with the Dodgers, you were considered to be in the top tier of, uh, of baseball people. Remember, it was Branch Rickey of the Brooklyn Dodgers who broke the color barrier with Jackie Robinson. They got this guy. And, and we didn't play the whole interview, but Ted Gopel gave Campanis two different, maybe three different times. He gave him an out. 
are you sure this is what you're trying to say, Mr. Campanis? Because up to this time, nobody thought Campanis was a racist. He just said he's a VP, general manager of the Dodgers. And you see, he really, I, in fact, I mean, obviously what he said here was highly, highly racist, but he, 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 he really believed that there was something about skin color that determined their qualifications. That they just didn't have what it took, and they certainly couldn't float well enough to be swimmers. He believed this. All right, now... I don't think this was the first time Campanis ever said anything like this, but it was the first time he had said it publicly in the media. Now, what I'm doing, I'm asking, how is this that different from the way Joe Biden is thinking here? I mean, Campanis says, I'm not saying all of them, but I mean, they're certainly short of, of, of qualified people. And what, what, does, what does Biden say? Well, what you all know, most people don't, unlike the African-American community, with exceptions, the Latino community is incredibly diverse, incredibly different attitudes, unlike the African-American community. They're all the same, think the same. Joe Biden told everybody here how the Democrat Party looks at African-Americans. We had a call in the previous hour. Have the Democrats, in your estimation, always been this radical? Folks, yes. I thought about, I thought about this even more during the top-of-the-hour break. Yes. It has been one of, the, one of my guiding beliefs the whole time that I have been hosting this program. And it's been something I have really tried to persuade people to at least consider, if not outright agree with me. The Democrat Party has always been the home of, I mean, if, if you have radical leftists like the Communist Party USA um, or, or the weather and all those 60s protesters, what, what party were they voting for? They were voting Democrat. What party did the students from Democrat society, all of these rabble-rousers in the 60s were Democrats. What party were they loyal to? What party did they think was most likely to advance their radicalism? What party did they attempt to commandeer and take over? The Democrat Party, which now they have done. The Democrat Party has always had a majority of people in its leadership level who do not like the Constitution, who do not like the Bill of Rights, because it limits the government. The Democrat Party has always been a massive, big government, and let's grow it some more, political party, political organization. It is always the Democrat. Folks, the Democrat Party was in bed with the Soviet Union in the 1980s. The Democrat Party was assisting the Soviet Union establishing a communist beachhead in Nicaragua. And there was... Opposition to them, they were called the Contras. Reagan attempted to help them resist the establishment of a Soviet base in Nicaragua. Daniel Ortega was the head communist honcho, and there he is having sunglass 
purchase parties with Peter, Paul, and Mary on Fifth Avenue in New York. Soviet Union would authorize a bunch of big money for Nicaragua. Daniel Ortega go on TV, thank them. Democrats would send people down to Nicaragua telling him to shut up. You're making us look bad with this association. There isn't any question that the Democrat Party has, has let me tell you, folks, it's, just, it's, it's this simple. The Soviet Union was much preferred to the Republican Party if you're a Democrat. The Republican Party has always, according to Democrats, the Republican Party has always been a bigger enemy than the Chinese, than the Soviet Union, than international communism. Republican Party has always been a bigger threat. The Democrat Party has spoken with more hatred and vitriol for the Republican Party than you will ever hear them speak of the Soviet Union or of Cuba. I mean, take a look at all the Democrats that romanticized communist leaders. So, yeah. The Democrat Party has always been as radical as they are now. Antifa and these anarchists, they're Democrats, and they go back to the 1980s. They go back to 1999. Some will go back to the first World Trade Organization protests in Seattle. There's no question about it. This is, In fact, it's been very frustrating for me because it's so obvious. And so many people have refused it. I think a lot of people didn't want to see it, didn't want to believe that it was true. And then, of course, you have the the media, which as much a part of the Democrat Party 30 years ago as they are today. You just didn't know it. But they would cover up all of these radical tendencies, uh, both of the party and of particular individual Democrats. So, I, yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. So what, what's going to happen to Biden with this? The answer is nothing is going to happen to Biden. You're probably not going to hear this soundbite much outside of so-called conservative media. I don't think that Lulu Garcia Navarro will ask for time on CBS Evening News to broadcast this bite from Biden to you, Mr. Snerdley. But I think what's going to be going on in the internals of the Democrat Party, they're going to be saying, we cannot let this guy out. We've got to keep him in the basement. We cannot. There can't be any debates. This is exactly the kind of they're not afraid of Biden losing his place. They're not afraid of Biden forgetting his thought. I mean, that's 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 going to happen. They're afraid of stuff like this, that he doesn't even know the gaffe after he's committed it. He doesn't even know. Campanus didn't know. Campan- Al Campanus was given three different opportunities in that same interview by Ted Koppel to get out of it, to change what he was saying. But he didn't realize he'd said anything wrong. And neither here does Biden. All right, another brief break. We'll come back and resume with you on the phone right after this. Don't go away. Okay, so Fox News now has the Biden comment about uh, being all kinds of diversity among the 
Hispanic community out there, lots of different people, lots of different ways of thinking. But African-American, as you all know, they uh, they think pretty much the same. Uh, unlike um, the uh, Hispanic community, God, all kinds of diversity out there. Well, they've got the bite now at uh, at Fox, and they'll be assembling a panel to discuss it. And Democrats will dispatch people to say, hey— What's really wrong? He did, no, 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 no. You're misinterpreting this. He did, no, 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 no. He was simply talking to an Hispanic reporter, trying to be nice to a Hispanic reporter. Blah, blah, blah. Nothing to see here. We'll see how they decide to tackle this. Here's, uh, here's Eve. Eve is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Welcome and great to have you. Hi. Hi, Rush. Boy, what an honor. Longtime listener, big fan, and Rush, I wish you well. Thank you. Um, I have a question for you, and I've asked it of numerous people. And I, did, my question is, why the hatred of President Trump? He's not even elected. He gets elected legitimately, and people hate him to the point where you have the FBI going after them, the whole Russian collusion to take him out. And he wasn't even in office. He didn't put any—what was— outside of the fact he was going to go in and drain the swamp. Do you think that that was – I don't understand why they hated him before he, before even to – under, To understand the threat that Trump posed, and the threat that he posed was simply because of things he said that he was going to do. It's a, it's a great question, Eve, and to properly understand it, you have to know who those people really are. That wasn't just the FBI, and it wasn't just uh, the intelligence community. It was the entirety of the Washington political establishment. But to have that much power and and for it to go go through at that level, I it, wait, wait, wait. It, it actually frightens me to think that that this has been going on as long as it is and still going on. Wait, that what has been going on? That. That the undermining of our president. Oh no no no! Uh, that, 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 that's that's no. Let me let me let me try this again. Trump was of course the focus and the target of this, but to understand the hatred, if you just look at it for what the hatred appears irrational, you don't understand it. All he did was run for president, get elected. He said he wanted to make America great again. Why is that controversial? Why did that? You've got to understand who these people are. You've got to understand what in the world the, you have the threat they think Trump poses to understand their deep paranoia and fear and to understand the irrational reaction and hatred. You've got to know who they are, not who Trump is. And to tell you, here's who they are. After World War II, the world order was reassembled. Europe had to be put back together. It had been destroyed by all those years of war, World War I and World War II. The Soviet Union was allowed to exist. The Soviet Union was almost permitted to exist. If George Patton wanted to keep going and wipe them out, George Patton recognized the threat posed by state-sponsored communism, and the Americans stopped him. The Americans, some Europeans said, no, we're not following them back to Moscow or Leningrad. We're going to let them exist. 
and the New World Order, the, or the order was established at that point. And that was the beginning of the desire all of those people had for the eventual day where the world would be governed by a single government, a globalist government that would not be located in Washington. It would be located in Europe somewhere, but where it was was not really the point. What the point was, the United States was not going to enjoy singular superpower status after having earned it and achieved it by defeating the Axis powers in World War II and by allowing the Soviet Union to exist and grow as an enemy and as a communist client state. So from the 1940s all through 2016, the Washington establishment became focused on not America first, but the world first. Careers, educations, futures, the role for their children, all of this was factored into the planning factored into how the world was going to be so that various people would be assured of their place of power and authority in it. And it was working. They were going on just fine. Manufacturing jobs leaving America. America was eroding its superpower status. Then Trump comes along and promises to reverse all of it. Look, I want to try... Excuse me, another stab at this, because that the question that we had from Eve is really a good one. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering why this, this hatred that these people have for Trump certainly is irrational, meaning it doesn't make any sense to average ordinary people. All Trump did was run for office. He got elected. Um, he talked about making America great again. That, folks... Seriously, now, why in the world did that put the fear of God into so damn many Democrats and deep state people? Stop and think of this for a second. Make America great again. Remember all of the laughter from New York Times reporters like Thomas Friedman? Oh, how quaint. Oh, how old-fashioned. Oh, how stupid. Oh, how simplistic. Oh, how dumb. Make America great. Oh, my. And then when they saw Trump was succeeding with it, then it became racist. Then it became, well, what he wants to do is go back to the days of slavery. What he wants to do is go back to the days of Ozzie and Harriet. What he wants to do is go back to the days when everybody went to church. What he wants to do is when everybody goes back to closing all the stores on Sunday and nobody uttered any profanity. that. The reaction to make America great again should have opened everybody's eyes. That that can be controversial? That there were people who opposed that? And they sure as heck did, folks. And then Trump is out there promising that he is going to stop Obama's plan to transform America. Well, what was that? What what, what was Obama's plan to transform America? He was going to transform it out of the American founding. The objective of the Obama administration and everybody in the Democrat Party, the deep state back then, American foundation or founding was 
Well, it was unjust and it was immoral. It was it was was rooted in in, in injustice and, and racism and bigotry. And we're going to change it. And it was all that was all disguise language. We're going to get rid of freedom is what they meant. We're going to get rid of the idea that government answers to the people. Whoa, we can't have that. We we can't not be in power when we have to answer the people. It's going to be the other damn way around. People going to answer to us. Corporations are going to answer to us. Everybody going to answer to us. And here comes Trump saying, no, 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 no. Nope, we're going to go back where government answered to the people. But make America great again. And it brought them all out from under whatever they were hiding on, under men behind. That, right, that, that should have, and it did, I think. I think that opened so many people's eyes. I don't think Trump had a prayer of winning that presidency for the first two months of his campaign. I think everybody looked at it as a lark and a joke and some other purpose that he had. But then people saw the reaction to it. They saw the reaction to make America great again. They saw the reaction to Trump's common sense philosophy of America as a great place America as the savior of the world, America as an exceptional place, the home of decency and goodness, that brought him out of the woodwork in opposition. No, I can't, we can't let America become great again. What did they tell you that meant? It wasn't good. America becoming great again, why, that's when all the racism and bigotry was dominant. It was sick, and it remains sick to this day. The opposition to the premise of making America great. Forget again, just make America great, stop, they oppose. So when it began to look like Trump could win, then... The laughing at him and the making fun of him changed into abject fear. My God, what if he wins? My God, why did they have to get rid of Flynn? It's the same thing. They had to destroy Michael Flynn because of what he was going to learn as Trump's director of the national security apparatus. They couldn't let Flynn get that position. He would learn everything about the coup, for one thing, but he would learn so much more about what actually had been going on within the darkest areas of the deep state of the United States. But let me just, as briefly as I can, if, if you think that the people running the United States... And I don't just mean the president. Folks, there is an invisible group of people, and it's, I don't mean to make this sound conspiratorial. It's just it's, it's a product of the size of our government. We got people that have never been elected to anything that are writing more laws than Congress is. They are bureaucrats at every cabinet-level bureaucracy, and they are writing regulations that limit your freedom and limit what you can do and say and limit how your house can look, limit how big it can be, limit this, limit that, and they're not elected. You don't even know who they are. 
It's a lot of power they have. Trump also vowed to get rid of all of that going on. But the point is, it's, 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 it's huge, this apparatus of, of invisible, unknown people. And they have paved the way for themselves. They have paved the way for their kids and their grandkids to have a place in this, uh, in this government, in this organization, whatever you want to call it, deep state. And it did not put the United States first. And the people that we're talking about largely are leftists and liberals. That's the vast majority of people in government in these invisible positions at the bureaucracies are liberal Democrats. That's their purpose. Conservatives don't like government, don't want to be part of government, certainly don't want it getting any bigger. We want it not being a big element in anybody's lives. The left is entirely different. The world revolves around government and therefore them. Liberals are born wanting to be in government. They are born wanting the power that comes along with it. And so their definition of success is populating government and growing the size of government and growing their positions in it. And we're not even in that game. And those people do not think of America as any super special place, like you do. They think of America as a problem. You and I would look at America as the solution to most every problem in the world. They look at the United States as the problem. They look at the United States as unjust, undeserving of our superpower status. They think we have plundered We have stolen resources from other nations and other people. We have used those resources to enhance ourselves and to make ourselves rich. That's illegitimate. We must pay a price for it. Look, folks, we are in a death struggle with communism. And the post-World War II world order established and validated the Soviet communist state, protected it, set it up as a legitimate competitor to the United States. Remember Madeleine Albright, former Secretary of State for Obama. The United States, she said, as the lone superpower is the biggest destabilization that the world could ever experience. They do not look at us as the good guys, folks. The Democrat Party does not see us as the good guys. The American left, socialist, communists do not see the United States as the good guys. They don't see us as morally superior. They don't see us as anything special. American founding, no way. There's nothing exceptional about it. It's an accident. Madeleine Albright teaches at Georgetown, that the American founding is just the accidental intersection of a bunch of people at a certain date range that led to things that were just, at the end of the day, a big accident. And we look at the United States as blessed, divinely inspired, and they don't even, for the most part, believe in God— So to understand their hatred of Trump, to understand the irrationality of their hatred for Trump, you don't have to know anything about Trump. 
You have to know who they are. And you don't have you have to know why somebody who wants to make America great again so threatens them. And I think that would be almost impossible for most people to understand. So I think most Americans think the concept of America being great is, is great for everybody, especially those of us that live here. We don't look at it as a braggadocious thing. We don't look at it as any better than anybody else. We look at it as we're the shining light of freedom around the world. We're the beacon. We're the shining city. All That's what we believe. That's why so many people want to get into this country and live here. That's why so many people want to become Americans. But the hatred that they have for Trump is so irrational that it it can't be based on just him. It is a reflection more of who they are and how they feel threatened by all of this. Shrink this down to... Um, you know, I, I find to help people understand massively complex things, if you can come up with an analogy that people can relate to and understand because it may exist where they live. Let me let me think about that. I got to get back to the phones, though, after this brief, obscene profit break. So don't go away. When Trump said he was going to drain the swamp, they couldn't take the chance he didn't mean it. Now they know he did mean it. Drain the swamp means getting rid of them. Anyway, Mark, Nashville, Tennessee, glad you waited, sir. You're up next on the EIB Network. Hi. How you doing, Rush? Nearly told me to get right to the point, but I just want to give uh, best wishes to you and Catherine. I kind of understand where Catherine's at. But uh, we wanted to talk about the New York uh, AG. Uh, it's more of a nothing burger than you even said, because she didn't even file criminal charges. She's the AG. She could have filed charges. But no, it's, it's just a lawsuit. Uh, that's 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 true. So what what is your what is your what is your point about it? Well, my point is is she's the AG. I, I mean, they could indict a ham sandwich, and they couldn't even indict these guys on fraud, which is what she's accusing them of. So they got nothing. Well, I think as usual, there's there's I have I have a alternative take on some of this stuff. She calls this press conference today, and immediately. And she doesn't tell anybody what's coming. She, obviously, she didn't tell anybody what's coming because the drive-bys all thought that it was going to be about Trump's finances. I mean, there are companion stories about Deutsche Bank having released Trump's financial records. That story bucked up right against the story that she was having her press conference at 1130. So the media clearly thinks that this is about Trump and the media then thinks that she's got evidence that Trump's lied about his wealth and that he has gotten loans uh, illegally and that Deutsche Bank propped him up and they were going to finally, this was going to be the day where they got to the bottom of Trump's lying, stinking financial falsehoods. Then she takes to the stage, to the podium, and we get all of this diatribe on the NRA. And everybody's scratching their heads. NRA? So what? We know the left doesn't like guns. But the fact of the matter is, 
And Selena Zito has a story about that. People are buying guns in record numbers. Record numbers of guns are being sold all across America every day, every month, because what do you think they're going to do when the Democrats get serious about defunding the cops, when the Democrats join protesters and rioters and looters, when Democrat governors and mayors go out and try to join those people as they're rioting and as they're looting? What do you think people are going to do? So they're out there buying guns left and right. And she's going after Wayne LaPierre for playing golf and misappropriating funds from the NRA for his personal pleasure and enjoyment. I think this, folks. I think contrary to what you're hearing in the drive-by media every day, I do not believe the Democrats think that they are cruising to a landslide win over Trump and in the House and the Senate. I don't believe they think that for a minute. In fact, I think they probably think the opposite. And I think this going after the NRA is a way to re-energize some Democrats to go out because they hate the NRA. I think as a way to fundraise, I think it may be a way of getting out the vote. Uh, not, and no, not just in Newark, New York. She's doing this is a, this is a uh, a national assault on the NRA. But I think it, what it means in a generic sense is that they are not confident that they are on the verge of winning all of government back, never ever again to relinquish it. That's what the media wants you to think we're on the verge of, that Trump is blowing it, that Trump's destroyed it, that Trump's made everybody mad, that nobody likes Trump anymore. People can't wait to get rid of Trump, everybody, even the people who voted for him. They can't wait to put the Democrats back in power because that's a normal thing. When the Democrats get back in power, there won't be a virus, there won't be a lockdown, there won't be a show, won't be anything. We'll go back to normal. And I don't believe that that's factual at all. I don't. I, I think, as usual, we're being played, we're being manipulated by the Democrats and their their friends, their buddies in the uh, in the media. So I, I think this going after the NRA has uh, something other than going after the NRA to it. I, they're serious. I mean, the baby's serious about going after the NRA because they hate the NRA, but. Uh, it's not going to stop people from buying guns, and it's going to it's going to backfire on on voter turnout and fundraising. If if I'm right about that, it's going to backfire big time on them. But the bottom line is, they didn't go after Trump, did they? She let everybody think that's what was going to be announced, and not a word was said about it. So New York City is setting up some COVID checkpoints. In other words. Checkpoint Charlie is back. You're going to need your papers if you want to get into New York while Cuomo is begging you to return. Remember when Cuomo threatened to sue Rhode Island for doing the same thing Cuomo is now trying in his state? We'll refresh your memory when we get back. Hi, folks. Welcome back. As always, it's great to have you here when I'm here. The EIB Network and the Limboy Institute for Advanced, not just conservative studies, but everything that matters. Anti-media studies. And, oh, speaking of which, I got a, 
I got to print this out. Something, uh, something, something just got published here that confirms another thing that I have told you about the drive-by media. By the way, wouldn't you say that Antifa, the rioters, Black Lives Matter, are they not making a case for the NRA? Why do you think people are arming up? Why do you think people are buying guns left and right? Democrats want to defund the cops and people believe they mean it. That's something. Democrats, you'd better figure something out fast. Democrats, you start talking about this nonsense. You know, you think you're just playing to your Twitter base, but Twitter is not America. Twitter is not even close to being American in terms of majority. And you think... The majority of Americans want to get rid of the cops. How does that jive with people going out and buying guns left and right? We've got more people buying guns for the first time than ever before in this country. Now, I have made the point brilliantly and cogently over the years that the media, these people in the media, are disconnected from us, that they congregate among themselves. That's all they know. And they actually work to impress other journalists. Let me draw you the contrast. When I do this program, and it's been the case since I have been doing radio, the audience is all that matters. Making sure that you made the decision to listen here, I want to make sure that that's a worthwhile decision, that you're not wasting your time. So what I do... Everything I do here is not for me. It's for you. I'm lucky in that the things that I care deeply about, a lot of you do too. So I don't have to try to fake it. I don't have to try to imagine what you want to hear and then do that. I've really benefited from being able to be as honest as I know how to be and having that reacted to by a huge majority of people. The media couldn't care less about their audience, folks. I have been trying to make that point in a number of ways over the years, many different ways as I can. They don't care. In fact, the media, the media is the one business where the customer is always wrong. You see something on media or you read something that you think is biased or wrong or unprofessional and you call them and complain. And what are they going to tell you? They're going to insult you, and they're going to tell you you don't know how they do their jobs, and they're going to tell you, to you know, we don't need you, screw you, or one variation of that. But they're going to laugh at you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to think that you're just a conservative malcontent. But they don't have the slightest interest in whether you watch or read or don't. Who they care about watching and reading is other journalists. That's for whom they are working. That's in their minds as they go about their jobs. When they're on camera, when they're giving some report, when they're beating up on Trump, they want other journalists to be impressed by it. They want other journalists to applaud it. They want other journalists to give it a stamp of approval. They couldn't care less what you think about it. And isn't that obvious? CNN, losing audience left and right for the entire four years so far the Trump president, do they care? Apparently not. 
Now, they've had some ratings expansion during the uh, the COVID-19 business, but prior to that, when it was just hate Trump all the time, every time, numbers were sinking. Did they care? No. They don't care. They're not management. So they don't care about advertising sales. They don't care about the business side until they get laid off. And then they tell management to bite the bullet and lose money if you have to, because what we're doing is crucially important. We got we got constitutional protection. Management says, screw you. We can't afford to keep you going this way. So papers are shutting down. People are getting laid off left and right. And still, the mainstream media couldn't care less about the audience and their reaction to their work. Well, look, looky here. This is um, a study that confirms a lot of this. A new report has confirmed that Washington journalists interact within micro-bubbles of themselves on Twitter, disconnected from the wider world. The study of Washington, D.C. journalists conducted by Nikki Usher and Yee Man Margaret Ng of the University of Illinois, which is flyover country, confirmed the long-held belief that Beltway media types are disconnected from everybody else. The study revealed that instead of being part of just one Beltway bubble, they are part of many different micro-bubbles interacting in even smaller communities. They decided to apply large computational social science practices to the study, studying a large number of journalists. They studied more than 2,000. They said that we could not observe each of them individually in real life, so we used their digital life as a way to understand how they interact with their peers. And they found it's all on Twitter. The tweets, the retweets, the replies of all credentialed congressional Correspondence with active Twitter accounts were collected, then analyzed. The two authors then applying a community detection algorithm to discover just who they were interacting with. Political journalists in Washington, this is number one takeaway. Political journalists in Washington are people who use Twitter all day. So the question is, what does that do to how they think about the world? And generally... From this paper and a previous one I did on gender and beltway journalism, it seems to me it can make things worse, said one of the authors of the survey. Oh, sure. This is exactly right. They are communicating with each other. They they, they tweet. They journalist. They exist in very small little groups. And it is there that they all get their marching orders on how to characterize some latest news event. But it's all Twitter, and none of it, none of it is at all oriented toward serving an audience of people who want the news. It's all about, it's all about other things. Not surprised in the least, but Twitter is the key. And because these people are all Democrats, the Democrat Party has made the mistake of thinking Twitter is America. So they think that Twitter is their base. And I'm telling you. United States of America and the majority of people live here are in no way even close. 
to being as radical as what we see portrayed as the Democrat base. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, you name it, the rioting, the looting, all these blue state mayors and governors and the things that they are permitting and allowing in their states and cities are not representative of a majority of the thinking in this country. Mayor Bill de Blasio has announced plans for checkpoints. Yeah, checkpoints to get into New York City. So you got to have papers now. Got to go through checkpoints in order to travel around America and to get into New York because you might be carrying the virus. Now, how is that for squelching commerce, travel, entertainment, confidence? New York City has imposed citywide checkpoints. You are required to register at checkpoints, state where you are coming from, where you are going, and for how long. And if you don't, and they catch you, you face a $10,000 fine or a forced quarantine. Now, where did de Blasio get the idea for this kind of policy? Well, I hate to tell you folks, it comes right out of East Germany. It comes right out of East Germany. It comes right out of the Soviet bloc. De Blasio announces checkpoints, $10,000 fine for people that don't check in. Let's remember March 28th this year. At TheHill.com, Governor Cuomo threatens to sue Rhode Island over a new policy to find New Yorkers in the state. Remember when he was killing all these senior citizens by sending them in nursing homes? Remember when New York was going crazy back in March with the number of cases and the number of deaths and we needed new hospitals, we thought, all this stuff? Rhode Island, which didn't want any part of it, was trying to root out anybody who was from New York and they wanted them to leave. And Governor Cuomo threatened to sue Rhode Island. Now we've got New York essentially doing the same thing. Checkpoints, $10,000 fine, 14-day quarantine if you are caught. This on top of Cuomo pleading with rich New Yorkers to come back to the city. Cuomo revealed Monday that he has begged wealthy New York City residents who fled during the pandemic to return to the Big Apple. He said, I literally talked to people all day long who are now in the Hamptons, where they live uh, in, in Florida, or, or, or they're in the Hudson Valley, or they're in a Connecticut weekend house. They say, you got to come back. you got to come back. We'll go to dinner. I'll buy you a drink. Come over. I'll cook. They're not coming back right now, he says. You know what else they're thinking? They're thinking if I stay, meaning if I'm in the city and I stay there, I'm going to be paying a higher income tax because i got to raise taxes. And if they stay outside the city, they'll pay a lower tax because they don't pay the New York City surcharge. So he knows what he's up against here. But who is it that forced them all out? Who is it that shut down livelihoods? Who is it that shut down commerce? Who is it that shut down the biggest city in the country? Proudly and happily. It was Andrew Cuomo. Now, all of a sudden, after reality sets in, 
I mean, you just can't shut down the city from March to the present and expect things just to pick up where they left off. You know, earlier this week, he knows what he's up against. People no longer having to pay exorbitant rent in New York because they've discovered people can work in New York but not have to be in New York. They can work in New York but not have to live in New York. Same thing. San Francisco is discovering the same thing. I don't think, and I I said this two months ago, I don't think these people, these governors and mayors, particularly on the left, I don't think they have the slightest idea what their policies, cheered on by the media, will ultimately mean for their cities and states. While the media cheers them for things they were not doing successfully, while the media was cheering them because it was all about getting rid of Trump, it was all about making Trump look bad and all about making Democrat mayors and governors look great. It's all about making DeSantis look bad, all about making uh, Governor Kemp in Georgia, making him look bad, all about making Greg Abbott in Texas look bad. Make Trump look bad, praising all these Democrats, and what were these Democrats? Same thing with California now. I'm telling you, folks, they have done, they have instituted policies that are going to forever change the structure of those cities. People have learned they don't have to be there. They don't have to pay exorbitant rent. They don't have to pay exorbitant real estate prices. They don't have to live in the city. They don't even have to live nearby. Don't even need to live in Connecticut. Virtual work, remote work, while they're out there touting it, while they're out there claiming that this is great, they're saving people from getting COVID, what they were really doing was hammering nails in the coffins of their cities without knowing it. Ditto New Jersey and that guy, Phil Murphy, is that his name? Meanwhile, let me give you a state that you won't even find a word written about because things are going great guns there. That state is Georgia. A Republican governor, remember they opened up, they were one of the first to open up. The predictions came from left and left and left that it was going to be the end of Georgia, going to be the end of that governor. Biggest mistake that could have been made. And now you don't even find any news about the status of COVID-19. In Georgia, you don't find any news about the status of the economy in Georgia. You know why? Because there isn't very much bad news. There isn't bad COVID-19 news. There's not bad infection news. There's not bad death toll news. There's not bad economic news. That's why you're not hearing about Georgia. I'll tell you something else. Florida and Texas are on the way to replicating what happened in Georgia Florida and Texas are soon to be over to hump Arizona to follow. And all of these Republican-led states that the media and the Democrats have had the just grandest time in the past few weeks trashing and ridiculing are once again going to end up with all kinds of embarrassment and egg on their faces. Because the governors in these states have known exactly what they're doing and they 
They all decided to stay resolved and push through when times got tough. They did not fall for the media demands to re-shut down, to re-lock down, to change what they were doing. They stuck to it. You're going to see, folks, that the problem areas, as they are with rioting and looting, civil unrest by by police departments, the problems with COVID-19 and this out-of-control virus are going to be pronounced in Democrat-run states and Democrat-run cities like every other freaking problem in this country is focused on those areas. There's some exceptions, of course, but you wait. It's only a matter of time. And now, a brief Obscene Profit break. All right, to the phones we uh, we return. This is Ben in Matawan, New Jersey. Welcome. I'm glad you waited, sir. Hello. Hi, Rush. Uh, great show as usual, and God bless you for what you do. Well, thank you very much, uh, sir. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Rush, I'm of the opinion that if Joe uh, Biden's uh, selection for vice president is down two people, Kamala Harris or Susan Rice, that Susan Rice is a natural shoe-in for him. Um, and she was national security advisor for four years under the Obamas, and she's a great friend of the Obamas. Uh, and as vice president, she would have a great influence on policy with Joe Biden, uh, Obama's policies. And then if he had cognitive decline and resigned, she would become president, naturally. And, you know, saying that, uh, she would pave the way for Michelle Obama to run. Uh, she would be president for a few years and then step aside and Michelle Obama would run. Well, now, wait, wait, wait. Since you mentioned Michelle Obama, grab soundbite number uh, seven. This Michelle Obama was on um, uh, Spotify's the Michelle Obama podcast uh, yesterday, and she spoke with the uh, uh, author Michelle Norris from NPR um, about the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on their lives. And Michelle Obama said this. I know that I am dealing with uh, some form of low-grade depression not just because of the quarantine, but because of the racial strife and just seeing this administration, watching the hypocrisy of it day in and day out. Holy dispiriting. Ca- you people ever heard of Thomas Eagleton? Right, so so, so here, is, here is Michelle Obama. By the way, can these liberal women not say S's? We're down for the struggle. It, the administration... And now there is the racial strife. It's S. It's administration. It's racial strife. It's down for the struggle. Anyway, she's saying here she's got low-grade depression, not just because of quarantine, but the racial strife and the administration and the hypocrisy. Day in and day out. She's just said... That she's Thomas Eagleton Jr. Couple things here. Washington Free Beacon. Four in five black Americans want either some or more police presence in their neighborhood. Four out of five, that's 80% for those of you in Rio Linda. The people who benefit the most from having the police around are African-Americans. But don't, don't, you can't say that. Shh. 
don't talk about that because, remember, African-Americans, they all think alike. They all speak alike. There's no diversity. Biden told us this yesterday. Biden said, unlike the Hispanic community, there's all kinds of diversity there. You go to Cuba, you'll run into all kinds of diversity among the Hispanics. But black Americans, African Americans, there's no diversity there. They think alike, they talk alike, they look alike. It's nothing to see. Biden said it, folks. Over 80% of black Americans want the police to spend as much or more time in their neighborhoods as they currently do. They don't want the police defunded. Is that stopping the Democrats from talking about it? No. And then there is this. Los Angeles, the mayor, Eric Garcetti, uh, Garcetti, sorry, says that he's going to cut off water and power to properties hosting large parties. The mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, warns he is on the verge of issuing a new coronavirus stay-at-home order. Los Angeles homeowners who violate the city's coronavirus-related safety measures may find themselves on the receiving end of some unwelcome consequences. During a press conference last night, Mayor Garcetti authorized the city to shut off power and water to properties, including houses and businesses, that are in violation of gathering regulations as a means to shut these places down permanently. Who do these people think they are? If you have a large party in your head, in fact, there was one. I tell you what got them all out of whack here. There was a big, gigantic party in, 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 in Beverly Hills in honor of some NFL player, or maybe it wasn't in honor, but there was a famous, I still know the name though, NFL player at this party, and there were videos of it, and there were pictures, and people were not wearing masks, and they were not social distancing. And of course, this just ticked off Mayor Garcetti and the City Council of Los Angeles. They got really mad, even though it's a bunch of Democrats throwing the bash. So Mayor Garcetti is warning everybody, if you do stuff like that, we're going to turn the water off at your house and we're going to turn the electricity off at your house. If you violate our commandments on getting together and having large gatherings at your house, you're going to pay the price. He said that the, uh, the cops, local law enforcement, having a hard time dealing with gatherings where there are hundreds of people breaking the law. Garcetti said, we know we can do this. Responding to a question about its legality. The authorization comes as California battles a recent surge in confirmed cases. They're going about this the wrong way. There are states they can be studying to figure out how to push through this. But those states are largely run by Republicans, and so that's not going to happen. But I, mean, I want you to imagine imagine two parties. Let's say there are two parties in Los Angeles. The first, a large backyard party of Democrats in Los Angeles where the guests are not wearing masks. The second party is a large backyard party of Republicans, and the guests are wearing masks. 
Which party do you think Mayor Garcetti would shut off the water and power to? I think we know how this would work. Imagine if a party is held by an A-list Hollywood elitist. You think Mayor Garcetti is going to go in there and shut off the water and power to Tom Cruise's place or to Tom Hanks's place or pick your Hollywood A-lister? Now, what you need to do, you need to start combining things, folks, to understand what it's going to be like if the Democrats ever win things. you got checkpoints in New York City. Los Angeles is considering draconian measures to prevent people from having people over. What if the attendees are all coronavirus survivors? Would that party be shut down? What does it matter whether people are having a party? Well, we've got to stop the spread of the virus, Rush. You can't just let people get together and do what they want to do and violate our commandments. All right, fine. If you think this is what's going to result in uh, fewer cases and find it, go ahead and vote for it. Trump, by the way, in Ohio today, and he landed at Burke Lakefront Airport in Cleveland. I have landed at that airport. I went in there for an NBC Sunday night game, Steelers and the Browns, some years ago, landed at the lakefront airport. So I know where this is. Trump landed there, and he managed to find a way to give a little campaign speech before a crowd that came out to greet him at the airport. It runs a little less than a minute. This is it. I wouldn't say he's at the top of his game, would you, do you think? But he supported every single globalist attack on American workers. Joe Biden's policies put China first and America last. And that's what he'll continue to do if he ever got this shot. And you will have a disruption in the markets, the likes of which our country has never seen. You will have a crash in the markets because he's going to double and triple your taxes. He's going to do things that nobody ever would ever think even possible because he's following the radical left agenda. Take away your guns. Destroy your Second Amendment. No religion, no anything. Hurt the Bible, hurt God. He's against God, he's against guns. He's against energy, our kind of energy. I don't think he's going to do too well in Ohio. You know what this all misses, is it? Biden, Biden, how do I say this? It's the Bernie Sanders agenda. Trump knows that. I know he's, he's putting it in Biden's mouth because Biden is the opponent on the ballot. But it's Bernie Sanders' agenda. This is the price they had to pay to, to buy Bernie off and to try to get his supporters to support Biden. Biden is clueless. He doesn't, he doesn't know what his own agenda is. Uh, they might have told him. I'm telling you, he doesn't remember it from day to day. He doesn't know what it is. He couldn't tell you what it is. And it's, it's, it's simply... It's just the result of, of, of age and what is happening to his brain. And it happens to a lot of seasoned citizens. And it's just that they're the ones that are exposing him to this. The Democrats are putting him out there. Like our previous caller said, it's going to be Susan Rice because she's going to be the VP. Obviously, that caller has not heard my theory on this. I don't think whoever he picks as VP is going to be picked because that person is going to be the next president. The next president is already running Biden. We just don't know who it is. And the next president's going to stay the next president, even if the VP ends up having to take the gig. 
Now, before we go to the break, grab soundbite number nine. This is Jim Cramer, CNBC this morning, the program Squawk on the Street. It's kind of funny. Cramer is telling Biden not to be the guy running for office by representing the party that stopped Trump from giving away money. Now, this is a unique way of looking. There's a battle going on between Republicans and Democrats on Capitol Hill on the next coronavirus relief bill. And the Republicans have a plan. And the Democrats are opposing whatever the Republicans come up with. And the Democrats are doing this on the basis that they can transfer the blame for inaction and no renewal of unemployment checks to the Republicans because they own the media. So they are of the belief that all they've got to do is stop this deal from happening and the Republicans will get blamed and then Trump will be defeated. And Jim Cramer is telling them, you guys are missing this. Specifically, Biden, you're missing it here. Listen to what Kramer says. The president's going to do an executive order if we don't do something. And I don't know if that's legal or not. Well, nobody's going to stop a president giving money to people. I mean, who's going to do that? I mean, what a great thing to run on. Hi, I'm President Trump, and I wanted to give money to you, but I wasn't allowed to. I mean, geez, that's why they should come up with a deal by Friday, because that is a non-starter. If there's this guy, Biden, who's running, you don't see a lot of them. But can you imagine what does he have to say? I represent a party that fought so hard for you to get your to make it so you don't get benefits. That is a not. I don't know. Is that something that, that Biden can run on? I fought hard for you not to get money. So, so Kramer is begging the Democrats, don't do this because you're not going to get away with blaming Trump for it. Trump is going to he's going to make sure people get the money one way or the other, if it's an executive order or if it's a deal. But you do not want to be the party that saw to it that people didn't get money when the government wanted to give them some. Now, you and I may be fed up with all this spending. You and I may be over the top with it, but it is what it is. Where have we heard that before? Bottom line is, just in the in the pure politics of it, Kramer has a point, does he not? When the government is giving away money, you don't be, you don't want to be the ones seen as standing in the way of it. Hi, how are you? Welcome back, Rush Limbaugh, your guiding light. Times of trouble, confusion, murkiness, tumult, lying, stinking, leftist media, and also through the good times. You know, there are a few written words and records more important than what is on your computer these days. You'd have to look long and wide, long and far to find things more important than what's on your computer or your, your handheld phone, your iPad, what have you. Got a, maybe a handwritten family history, maybe a journal written by you over a number of years, maybe a diary. Uh, what you've typed out, what you've stored on your computer is gold. How many of you save everything since it's easy? I know people that just save everything. They don't, they, they don't get specific about it. They've got a, enough memory in their computer, enough storage to save everything. With keyword search the way it is now, you don't even have to organize it. Just save it. You'll find it somewhere down the road when you need it. So what they type, what they create, computer gold, it's all stored there. Until it's not there anymore. And when it's not there anymore, panic city. 
And that's going to happen. Everybody's going to have something go wrong with one of their devices. Your hard drive is going to quit. It's going to get something spilled on it, stolen. Uh, dog, get the cable, drag the, the computer off the table, hits the floor, crash, bang, boom, bye-bye hard drive. You have to know it's going to happen because it happens to everybody. You've got to be backed up. You cannot have too many backups. You need a bootable backup, something that you can go get a new computer, restore your backup to, and start up like you haven't missed a day iDrive has easy-to-use backup software safely and securely in an off-site online location. It's cloud-based, meaning it's not in the same physical location you're in. So something destroys property will not destroy your backup because it isn't where you are. It backs up every change that happens on your computer as it happens. And only the changes. It happens incrementally. You can back up your data three times a day or more with iDrive, whatever it takes. It's up to you how often you choose to back up. You'll have peace of mind that everything that's important is backed up. And man, if it's happened to you and you're not backed up, I'm telling you, it is panic. So you, pictures, family photos or whatever, that if, if, if you're not backed up and you lose them, I know people to whom it's happened, it's, it's crushing and it's unnecessary. Start backing up today with iDrive like iPhone. iDrive.com. Use my name. 90% off the first year, folks. They want you. 90% off. iDrive.com. Plans start less than 6 bucks a month. iDrive.com and my name. Get you started. This Lisa in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm glad you called. Hi. Hey, Rush. I'm a longtime listener and um, just wanted to call. Yesterday you had a caller who said she was a nurse. And she said teachers needed to stop whining about going back to school and just go back. And I am a high school teacher, and it just hit me the wrong way. Um, even though I'm a conservative and I listen to you all the time and everything, it just, I thought, you know, she's a nurse. And while I really appreciate everything that people in the healthcare industry are doing right now, um, she signed on to work with sick people. And, um, it's really easy to sit back and say what other people should do if you're not the one. Wait a minute. Refresh my memory. Le- refresh my memory. What did she say specifically that irritated you? She said the teachers needed to stop whining about going back to school oh. and just get back to school. So she wasn't, um, she wasn't talking it, about the job teachers do, per se. It was about going back no. to school during the, during the pandemic. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree. Kids do need to get back to school because it was a disaster last spring. But, you know, at the same time, we need to feel like we're safe. And I have a 94-year-old mother I come home to, um, but I have to also have to have a job. And so, you know, I will be going back. Kids are going to be virtual for at least the first nine weeks. So I, I'm going to be in my classroom by myself, which I'm fine with doing that, but... Um, I just I am concerned. And how I do you how do you, you how do you right take attendance? Concerned. How do you how do you take attendance when everybody's virtual? Um, I think we're going to have some training on that next week. They said, um, but they I, we can see um, when you know when kids are logged in. Oh, and so right. they will be they will be taking attendance. Well, you can see them logged in. You can, but but whether they stay there, we log. That's a, I don't I don't I don't envy you. Look, everybody's everybody's uh, worn to a frazzle here over this, uh, understandably. 
and especially the doctors and nurses who have no opt-out. They see the NFL guys being paid three hundred grand to opt-out. So tensions are, are wound pretty tight. I'm glad you called. We will be back. Wrap it up. Hang on. Just enough time to say thanks for being with us, folks. Open line Friday tomorrow. Be ready with your questions and comments. See you then. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.